again to the Dior Hot Seat. Today we got a different kind of podcast, one that was recorded live during one of the panels at ETH Denver. The Dear Hot Seat has always been about people jumping in and asking hard questions, and there's no better way to challenge the DeFi and CeFi ecosystems to explain themselves after a disastrous 2022 than letting the users, the participants at ETH Denver in this case, do the asking. Honestly, I like this panel a lot. People are tired of panels that are advertisement boards, of softball questions to promote oneself. And I gotta say, we got the best panelists. They held their ground, they knew what they were talking about, honestly a much better look for themselves and their projects than just repeating the marketing lines. And I love that the public got super involved, which opens the possibility for bringing more of you on board on the Dior Cut seat. More information on this to come in the next episodes. Taking the stage were Diana from BNB Chain, Matt from Consensus, Chris from Ethrust, and Gleb from One Inch. What a panel. I hope you enjoy it. Check. Bye. Mic check. Mic check. Awesome. All right. Okay, yeah. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? There we go. Good, good. Look alive. Fantastic. We are in uh, day 672 of ETH Denver. This feels like an eternity. I, I really got to appreciate the fact that you guys are here, that you've made it today. I hope the parties have been great. And I hope that uh, you're up for an excellent hot seat panel. So maybe I should introduce what the concept of the hot seat is about. So... Um, my name is Lansky, Paul Lansky, and I'm a member at Dorg. Dorg is a services DAO, uh, basically a dev shop that is natively a DAO, the first DAO ever registered as an LLC. And we have an all-hands meeting where our members, mostly technical members, get to grill some of, our, uh, some of our guests in our... And we call that the Dior Hot Seat. So the Dior Hot Seat is definitely a place for spicy questions. This is not going to be a complacent panel. This is going to be a panel where... They're looking at me like, uh, no, actually, this is not really true. I'm, I'm actually very nice. Um, but I'm hoping that you won't. I do have a reputation, and I want to do business with these guys at some point in my life. But if you don't... It is the time for you to ask the spicy questions. So I'm going to start with some questions that I'm going to ask to these people. And then I'm going to pass the mic to the public. And I'm hoping you guys will have very spicy questions. Does that sound good to you? Give me a yeah. yeah. Give me a louder yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so... Um, We've introduced myself and Dior and the, and how the panel is going to go. It's a good time for the speakers to introduce themselves. Maybe we can start from the opposite corner over there. Thank you. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Gleb. Uh, I'm running marketing for One Inch. I'm the CEO of the project, and I've been with the project for more than two years. And obviously, I'm from the decentralized finance side. But we, as a project, we are in the battle for centralized exchange users, right? So, yeah. That's in short about me. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I'm Chris Hughes, uh, former CEO of ETH Trust, but uh, Chairman Emeritus, I guess. I've been working at the intersection of traditional finance and crypto for the better part of the last four and a half years, figuring out how the on-ramps for traditional finance, basically, how do we make DAOs compliant? How do we make 
uh, fractionalized securities? Like, how do, how, how do we actually, you know, uh, participate with the larger finance community writ large? So, yeah, I've been working very hard on it, and uh, it's slow, but it's, but it's happening. Hey, everybody. <clears throat> I'm Matt Wright with Consensus. I lead a lot of our DAO initiatives. Uh, we're looking to build out tools and infrastructure for DAOs um, in the ecosystem. Uh, been in Ethereum since 2016, 2017. And, um, yeah, looking to uh, explore decentralization uh, in the ecosystem. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Diana. I'm the business development side of the BNB chain, um, the largest uh, layer one out there. And I've been in crypto for the last four years and representing the DeFi side as well. Excellent. Okay, we got, uh, we got a good mix. We got people from TradFi. We got uh, people from DeFi. Um, I, think, uh, I think this is going to be an interesting panel. Are those, question, are, are those MetaMask institutional socks? That's awesome. <laughs> nice. We got, we got OGs, definitely. We got OGs in, on stage. Um, so I want to start with a question. 2022. 2022 was the year of the grifter. The year where all of the centralized exchanges, not all of them, but all of the centralized players demonstrated the fact that trust, you don't have to trust, you have to verify, right? Um, FTX, DCG, Gemini, BlockFi, uh, Three Hours Capital, Celsius. What, how, can we, how can we ever trust any centralized service ever again? And I think this question would be for, uh, for Chris. Okay, let's, let's be honest here, okay? Uh, this is a real, it's been a tough, uh, 2022 was terrible for all of us, 12 rounds of mean. But, uh, so the question becomes like, how do we trust the people uh, in the centralized positions? I think it's less about figuring out how we trust them and have more of them. You know, this was systemic uh, collapse of very large players. Okay? If there were hundreds of them, if there were thousands of them, if, there were, if this were easier to do, there would be less collective risk in a fucking bag. Like, Are we talking about decentralizing centralized players? Like, but, but wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be nice? Like, like wouldn't it be nice? Like, it, uh, yeah, definitely. Like, so, so distributing the risk, distributing the risk. Um, so I, I envision a world where uh, custodial trusts will one day, like, if you're a fund, you shouldn't have all your money in uh, FTX. Like, how many funds went completely bankrupt trading, like, fucking animals on FTX? How many, how many of them, like, are completely mega-wrecked? So, so let's think about this. And you're, you kept your entire balance on one centralized exchange? Are you Like, come on. So I envision a world where, you know, uh, someone like, uh, players like Coinbase or maybe even Binance or... They're going to use more than one trust company. State Street, Prime Trust, someone else. Like, there'll probably be like, ways to snark this across multiple central meat spaces. Ah, that's, that's how I think it'll work. Yeah, fantastic. Like, let's, not, let's not bring all the blame, though, to the, to the depositors who got sold certain assurances that, they, that maybe they didn't have in the end, though. But, but so, CFI has had some problems in 2022. But honestly, there was more than $1 billion hacked in 2022 from the centralized protocols. 
So uh, that's, that's a lot of money as well. Like Jump Capital just did it last week, right? Like uh, rehack. Like it's rehacked the hacker, right? Like, hack the hacker, which is uh, yeah, it's something that happened again. Like, but Diana, what what do you think? What do you think the um, the DeFi space or the decentralized chains layer ones, whatever the protocols is, can can offer some sort of security, some sort of assurance, some sort of to, to users? What can they do to protect the users? Actually, a lot. <laughs> um, I just want to mention that on the decentralized side, we recently launched the community-driven security um, monitoring of the smart contracts. It's called the Avenger DAO. It, it's a passive API. So anyone, before sending any transaction on chain, can scan. And you'll see like a red alert, a green alert, you know, yellow alert. And it's a sort of like, you know, you can do your research kind of checking that before sending your funds in the DeFi. That's one thing. And for the security as well, as you know, from the chain perspective, it makes sense to make sure you monitor the code and your code is up to date and you partner with, you know, with the, um, the best players out there because uh, we all are here, you know, don't trust Verify, self-custody kind of maxis. So um, yeah, from the DeFi perspective, the community-driven security could be, you know, the answer for that. Right. So Binance Smart Chain or, or Binance Chain or BNB Chain now, sorry. Um, BNB Chain got hacked bad. Their bridge got hacked bad. And there was... So I would like to hear more about what happened when Binance Chain or BNB Chain just stopped. And uh, for a while. I'm, I just want to say that we are so grateful to the validators that we had who, and to the security initiative, actually, who managed to see that something is going wrong in the real time. And for everyone, super quick reaction. So that hack was basically stopped. Um, I know we halted the network for a short period of time. And that was the only and the first time that that ever happened. So... You know, we, um, we improved the security measures, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, BNB chain is based on the Tendermint. So, um, you know, working on the code base, uh, improving, and driving the community security initiative, that's important. And by the way, uh, we reimbursed the funds to the users who got hacked. That, that was the most interesting thing that happened, for sure, was that there was a, like, a, a bit of a bailout, but you know, uh, so I'm, I'm a nerd and I know what happened, like, like deeply what happened. And um, like BNB chain or, or Binance Beacon chain wasn't the only one, like Polygon had similar concerns that immediately after the hack, they, they, they too were in a position of, of potential compromise. So there was a proof signature that was able to get forged. I mean, this is the stuff that like, really hard, not smooth brain math, right? Like very, very, very hard math. So you create these fraud proofs or you create these, uh, you know, deposit proofs or you create these bridge proofs. And then this person was able to forge them. And then what was very interesting is that the Binance chain or the BNB chain had a bunch of like, uh, kind of like, a, I don't know, like a circuit breakers maybe uh, for the want of a better word, like things that when value was moving too aggressively, too quickly, 
there was something that the you know the 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 validators could step in and 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 intervene. Now that's a that's a design question, right? Like more so than anything. Like and undoubtedly humans are better off because they didn't get boned. You know, it started out at five hundred million and it was only seventy by the time it was done. So like you know, through coordination in the industry, they were able to go to Tether. They were able to go to other folks. Say, hey, these addresses that are attempting to bridge out and do nefarious things, like don't do it. Like, and and that's exactly what happened with Oasis Finance. Like that is more preposterous to me. Okay, if we're talking about reality and shit and bullshit, that is more preposterous. Jump capital, fucking hacking Oasis Finance to go get that money back is garbage. Like, I can't even believe that's allowed. Like, and seriously, like, Jump Capital, the, the Chicago-based trading firm, like, sat there and racked up. Like, are you shitting me, bro? Like, how fucking degen is that? So, so we were speaking about regulation. Should there be allowed? Should there be allowed to do something like that? Matt, um... What is the what is the liability that that they would have or like how how can they how both parties here uh, what how guilty or were they allowed to do something like that what's your opinion on that I that's not my area of expertise um, in what they're allowed to do I'm not a, I'm not a securities lawyer um, or, or you know, work in tra- tra- institutional trading but. I think what I'm more interested in is seeing how DeFi protocols um, are leaning more on, on DAOs and seeing how we can decentralize the decision-making process and the diversification of funds and risk, um, you know, de-risking by, um, you know, mapping out more strong proposals that the community backs. Uh, what I don't think is appropriate is having uh, institutions or, sorry, um, you know, regulatory agencies that are coming in and setting the rules on something that they have zero context on. Um, I'd love these three-letter agencies to get a little more context, but I do want to see the DAOs um, that are managing these DeFi protocols, um, you know, allow us to feel more safe putting more weight into the software infrastructure and smart contract layer versus relying on humans, which we keep trying to do. Uh, we get lazy. We don't want to, you know, manage our own keys. We want to, you know, give, it, give that to a custodian or, um, you know, pass off the liability. But the reality is, is we need to lean more into the code and we need to uh, program that into uh, these organizational decision-making processes. Absolutely, yeah. Very hard to disagree with that. Um, on the um, on the customer on the customer side, most people uh, start on DeFi through by swaps, by swaps, uh, doing something very very simple. And one inch is the platform that most people interact with in the first time. Uh, what is one inch doing to protect the users from scam tokens, from attack vectors? Uh, so that's a good one. Uh, so we have uh, like a support team that we can unleash tokens. Yeah, we are always looking closely at what's happening out there. Uh, also, we can delete tokens by request from authorities, right? Like, also we're looking like not to have any toxic. Assets, yeah, right. But like, we are still a DeFi project, so anyone can input a custom token, like, and trade it, like, whatever. Like, if there are pools, if there are liquidity pools out there with the tokens you want against the token you want to trade to, then yeah, uh, it's all the risk on the and the user. But that's like uh, that's the difference between like CFI and DeFi. Like the amount of knowledge, the amount that you need to consume in order to feel yourself com- comfortable, like. 
being like a day trader on a centralized exchange, right? If you just enter this space or, or being a trader in the DeFi space, it's like, it's really different, right? So we first, we expect users to educate themselves and we help to educate those users uh, about like where they are actually, it's like what are the risks. From the product side, we are like, I think that one inch, uh, like our smart contracts, they have the most audits out there in the DeFi industry. So like our like technical team is really love audits. Like we've worked like with a lot of audit. So like we invest in security a lot. So like making sure that the smart contracts, they are safe and secure to operate with. So and, uh, there are some like other cases, like for example, where there are like some like user got sandwiched badly or like oh like the transaction was not uh, executed properly, right? Like in certain cases we can refund users if they like got lost like some money, right? Like training on a platform. But like in the most cases, like if the user um, uh, made his own mistake, right? We can't help him, of course, like as a DeFi project. But like we expect him to learn the next time. Yeah, so kicking, kicking the responsibility down to the user is a lot of the times maybe the best we can do because we are dealing with protocols that are decentralized and permissionless. So, and we, we probably want to keep them that way. We probably want to keep people able to add their tokens into a liquidity pool even though what we get is a lot of liquidity pools full of shit tokens um, and scams and rug pulls. But... In terms of the regulation side, um, like Uniswap didn't go down, you know. Uniswap like, did not go down. Exactly. So that's the thing. It's like these, I agree. Yeah, yeah, DeFi so didn't go down. One inch didn't go down. DeFi like, didn't go down. DeFi didn't go down. I mean, like price, okay, but like definitely the the plumbing was there, and I think that that's one of the things that we can look and rely on and say that is an example to the regulators, like to those that care to shit on this sort of stuff. It's like. There was good work done there. Like there weren't, you know, and, and I would say as an industry, we do not do a good job of self-advocacy. Like traditional finance has, you know, like lobbyists and, and, and we do too, but we don't do enough of it. And we clearly, like I can say this, but I talk to the regular, like being a CFI player in a crypto world is just not being liked by anyone. Like all the crypto degens are like, narc and then all the trad five folks are like long hair hippie and then the regulators are just like fuck you man I, I don't even understand and so in this space where you're just like okay now i choose this as a life and a job like like i, I hate myself like is really what they, uh like probably more than the outside world does and for that reason i can go ahead and you know brave this awful uh, shit show but we need to interact more we need to advocate more. We need to demonstrate our wins more. We need to we need to we need to self promote. Like we promote well within our industry. We have great events. We throw fucking amazing parties. But like we really should probably be talking to regulators a bit more. You know, right? So regulation, right? Like and with bad people out in the world. You know, so regulation. Um, the fact that the fact that CFI is heavily regulated and DeFi is not regulated doesn't seem to have a correlation with, the, with people losing their money. What's a good approach? What's a good approach to uh, who can protect them? Is, uh, 
But proof of reserves for for CFI will protect anybody. Will will they? Maybe um, the fact that we but we because we have them on chain, that the reserves are there. You can look at it, but. Projects get hacked all the time, and I know that like, this is very broad. Like but Genesis can rehypothecate it even on balance sheets. So it's like you get these things where it's like, yeah, it's there, but it's also being lent to someone else in the meat space, and then you can't do that. So until we can get into like absolute like isolates that guarantee that there's no rehypothecation in the meat world, I, I don't know. You don't, you don't know. Okay, so but we need to. You said that. We need to lobby more. We need to. Um, what are we lobbying for? What? Anybody? So, what are we lobbying for? That's a great question. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I had a. So, answering the question about who can protect users, right? So, I think that um, carefully built products that has this like in its core, like, and uh, if we're talking about DeFi ecosystems, yeah, they're right, they're complex. Uh, like whereas, like opposite to uh, to decentralized exchange, right? So centralized exchange, like it, like everything's under its hood, like no one's no, no one, nobody knows what's happening there. And DeFi, on contrary, they are really complex stuff, you know, like right. So like in order like to deliver trade, you should know like how to like use like several protocols, right? And what to do with them, like and how not to screw up. Like while doing all this stuff, right? But it also brings you a lot of opportunities out there. For example, like if you would go for like to like to a bank and say, "Hey, I would love to get a loan from you to like just to use this in a position like somewhere else." Like, and if everything goes wrong, I'll just pay you like one dollar of commission. Like if it just fails, like like it, like you know the the. Like everyone knows, like the, the guy would be like deemed like crazy. Like no one would work like this for them. So I think, um, uh, and uh, there is also other thing about this one. So like Sapphire and Defy like in different space because like why Sapphire has been so regulated because there is no innovation happening there. Actually, there is like a uh, trade Defy business right there. And uh, if we're talking about Defy, the whole innovation is happening there. You can't regulate something that. That, like that don't exist yet, and like in each hackathon here, we hear, we we see new 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 use cases and new like new approaches to financial products that we have out there. So I think that uh, once we like we need to think about building like a secure products for end users, right? So we need to think of these products uh, like to relay like to rely on themselves, not to like on some other like. Uh, entities out there, whether it's regulators, some other funds and stuff. So, like, I think uh, that's the only thing. And so, we, if we answer the question, of what would we lobby for? Uh, it's for uh, maybe like the clearer, uh, like, I would lobby for like the, the clear guidance of how to operate like a decentralized finance business, right? So, here, because like there are so many. Uh, um, Unclear, unclear, like unclear things in the whole in the whole space, and like regulatory about stuff. So that's my take on it. Yeah, I just want to add from you know decentralized perspective, regulation actually helps us all to bring a billion users on chain. Because imagine like people who are cautious about using DeFi protocols. Once the we have more or less regulation in space, we open up a lot of opportunities for them. And I'm always you know curious why. Everyone positions C5 versus DeFi when we can, you know, find a balance with the CDFI, such as, um, for example, tokenizing the real-world assets, bonds, stocks, carbon credits, and 
having that efficiency, the operational efficiency, the capital efficiency, and I don't know if you guys um, heard the stories when a broker actually calls you like, oh my God, you will have a margin call soon. You know, we could definitely make it way more efficient. So regulation is good, CDFI is good. Uh, we see the future in the tokenizing real world assets and trading them on chain. So could be, you know, something very interesting for our industry as well. Yeah, I feel like we need to enable like whatever this regulation framework looks like if it requires a new new agency altogether but we need to enable um, smart contracts to eat financial services in the financial world and capital markets uh, we need to you know protect developers so that they can freely have regulatory sandboxes to feel safe to plunk tokens or streaming structures but if you have you know custodians or exchanges that are taking on this role of CFI and whether it's an on-ramp or off-ramp to the CFI scenario, um, yeah, they have customers to protect, investors to protect, they have a, a fiduciary duty. And, you know, in that sense, I think we're, we're building more and more context around CFI and DeFi, but if we don't, you know, work with those two together and push more towards the DeFi route, um, so that we rely more on smart contracts, um, it's, you know, we're never gonna find uh, a, a nice balance. Excellent. So I think it's time to open it to the public. Um, anybody has any questions for our panelists? I'm going to go around and uh, give you the mic. Any hands? Any hands? No, no questions? Here we go. What about putting debt on chain? You can't lend out unless you have uh, on chain debt in any form or format. So, so debt is awesome. I, I think, in fact, if there's going to be an interface to the meat world and the crypto world, it is going to be through seniorage and debt. Like, it's probably not through direct tokenization, but instead through just having a claim against the asset. I think that that's probably the way that this is going to express itself, and it's probably the way it makes the most sense to do it from a, from a regulatory standpoint. Fuck, you can trade debt all day long. Like, all you DGENs can. But like when I think about this, it's like uh, there are still centralizing factors in our industry that keep me up at night. Like if, if Gary Gensler calls up Circle and says these 15 maker vaults should just like suspend like all transfers, like for the, like th that would cause a collateralization contagion on die that we could not fucking unwind. And like that is bullshit. We need to do better than that. Like, we have centralized too hard to the point where we have a Byzantine generals problem. Like, that's bullshit. We're, we're Ethereum, for fuck's sake. How did that happen? Anyhow, like, this level of stuff, like, it's just, it's because it was easy, guys, and that's how this works. We fucking needed easier stable peg against the dollar, so let's just go have a bunch of them in a New York bank at Goldman Sachs. And then we wonder, like, why we get a face punch by Wall Street, like, you know, two years later. Fuck's sake. Come on now. Well, we had it coming. Very good questions. Any other? Um, I wonder, in your view, how do you implement the inheritance service in a, De in a DeFi? Inheritance service in a DeFi? Um, oh, maybe I can address that one. So, actually, you probably heard about the EAP 4337, and there are a lot of smart wallets right now where you can have your self-custody in a smart wallet and you can add actually a guardian. So your key will be split into multiple parts 
and you can assign someone else to have a part of your key share. So in, in a very unfortunate event, if something happens to you, these people will have an access to the funds, the, trust, the people that you trust, and the MPC and TSS technology actually enables that. And that's the beauty of the, you know, the DeFi. We have like the best cryptographic proofs uh, which can make that happen. We don't, we don't need these custodians to manage these anymore, right? We have time for one more question, if it's a very quick one. One more question. One more question. Over there. So what's your opinion about protecting users on uh, decentralized exchanges like Unisub or OneInch using insurances? So, like you said, if the protocol fails, who's, who can protect them? But like, if the users buy insurance, what's your thought on that? Uh, possibly I can answer this. So, um, if I get right, the question about insurance protocols that are there, like on top of DeFi. So, as I said, like it's about uh, building the products right now because, like, it's all fragmented in a way. So, uh, right now, as, as I think, the like, users, uh, like, I, like I know that several protocols out there, they are like uh, researching this opportunity, just like a fork with the insurance protocols. But I, me personally, have not seen any case so far that works. This case, so right now I think it does not work. All right, so we're out of time. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, to we've put these incredible panelists in the hot seat, and they look as cool as a breeze. A big round of applause for them. They know what they're talking about. And you can find them on the site if you want to ask more questions. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you.